And for the fourth straight season, Ricky McGill and Iona are going dancing. Quinnipiac to its second MAC championship in the last three years. A seventh straight tournament championship in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. So uh, let's get going with our Mac chat. Here we go. Get it started. Let's go, Coach. All right. So uh, here we go. Another uh, episode of our Mac chat. First of all, instead of at the end, I'm going to give it in the beginning. A shout out to our man, AJ. AJ! I mean, he's he's the man. I get so many phone calls. How, are you, how do you guys do this? How do you guys do that? And I say, we have the easy part. We record and then we just send it along to our man. AJ takes care of everything else. He sure, sure does. Well, um, exciting week. But before we get really into uh, the basketball, the standings and the games of the week, I don't know uh, if you saw, but the Mac released some, uh, some news today. Fill me in, coach. All right. Uh, Starting in um, February, all of the MAC men and women games are going to be streaming internationally. Wow. So all of the MAC fans and former players and um, parents, uh, Sidearm Sports is going to stream all the games internationally. So they can... I, before they could only get you know certain games and if ESPN was being aired in their areas but now um, they're going to be on uh, sideline sports oh that's a great thing so you mean to tell me when we're broadcasting we're going international now yes you yes you may say that so if you have any uh, you know former player uh, you know teammates or anyone playing overseas um, they're now going to be able to hear, Hear you and you give your pearls <laughs> of wisdom out to the folks. So that oh, was that's nice. a great look. Yeah. So uh, again, another thing that uh, Rich Enzor, you know, is able to establish. Um, so you know, our, our you know hats off to our commissioner. No question, the commissioner's the man. He really is. I mean, he always finds different ways to promote the Mac. So uh, good job by. Uh, Rich, once again. So let me open up with um, Marist, you know, versus Niagara up in Buffalo. Uh oh, so, let's you know, hear it. We're finally giving some Buffalo love. And boy, um, the first game, right? Uh, it was uh, a real, real thriller. The Purple Eagles took Marist to overtime. Wow. Yes, in the Gallagher Center and uh, went to overtime. And uh, Allie Hare had 16 points for Niagara. Angel Parker, who's really been one of their go-to uh, players, had 11. And Olivia Mason had 10. So Coach Pierce is working with some players who were complementary players early in their careers. Uh, she lost a couple of kids over the summer. And then um, a couple of kids who had been injured are now really coming in to their own. But uh, took the... Uh, you know, the Red Foxes to overtime and uh, once again, um, Willow Duffel, you know, mm. she really comes up big. She had 27 points. Wow. So she was a, the go-to person um, 
for them. And they kind of, you know, the Purple Eagles were able to uh, kind of put some uh, handcuffs on uh, Trinasia and Caitlin Weimer the first game. You know, so it, it was pretty close. It was pretty exciting to watch. But then there's the next night. I love those second nights, Coach. Tell me about it, please. Well, I think uh, Coach George has probably uh, had a little talking to. They probably didn't get their anchorage wings that night <laughs> because uh, they really came out on fire. Caitlin Weimer had 19, Trinasia Kennedy had 11, and Ali Best had 10. And the Red Foxes won uh, 67-45. So they That's really off to Niagara. I would wonder how many practices have they gotten under their belt, you know, getting any type of rhythm to be so close in that first game. So you got to give them a lot of love. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you're right. I mean, they haven't had a, a whole lot of uh, uh, games out there. I mean, they're actually uh, one and three in the MAC, right? And Red Foxes, Marist are eight and two. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so you have 10 games compared to four, you know, and you're right. I mean, because of the pauses, they haven't been able to get the rhythm. So for them to come out and have that great showing the first night, but true to form, you know, the Red Foxes, when you talk about tiers, you know, they're that you know, top tier and uh, they came to play. Uh, Caitlin Weimer, like I said, scored uh, 19. And then for Niagara, Angel Parker had her 13. And uh, Sydney Falcon had 14. So from the Niagara, you're going to see different people emerge. And you can see with the uh, Red Foxes, you know, they're going to their mainstays. Yes. So, you know, exciting weekend up in Buffalo. All right. Then we uh, go over to Jersey. And you have the Bobcats, you know, coming in uh, to Ryder. And um, anything can happen. We knew that Coach Milligan was going to, you know, kind of get her team together but the first night um our girl Michaela Morris you know uh Bobcats go out on a tear they everything was going their way they beat um the Bronx 72 50. they wow. really uh had their number Michaela had a double double 11 and 19. Rose uh coming back home again you know had 11 and uh, Sajeda Bonner had 10. So those three were really, uh, they kind of locked up the wheeze a little bit. She only had four, but, um, you know, Michaela was really a force inside. She is so tough, Coach, and the balance on that Quinnipiac team, you love it. Like you just said, the wheeze didn't play as well or got locked up, but you have so many other players you can go to who can step up. Yeah, they really, really uh, do. They have a lot of good stuff going on, but... Uh, and for uh, the Bronx, uh, they had uh, Toussaint, who I really, really like. She, she scored 10 points, and Fireball had 11, and Toomey had 9. So you know, they got the contributions from the people that are starting to emerge. Toussaint is the rookie. She's good. A exactly. I, I, I like her game. I, I think she's pretty good. Now, again, it goes to the second <laughs> night. And uh, uh, this, is, this is exciting. Uh, this is kind of... The stuff, you know, the stuff you really like to see. And game goes into overtime. Overtime. And Ryder wins the game. Go ahead, Ryder. Coach Milliken pulls it out. Pulls it out. 77-74. Uh, Amani Free, our girl that uh, we like so much uh, from uh, the Bobcats, scores 25. Mm. Michaela, once again, double-double. 
10 and 17. And you can't keep a good woman down. <laughs> Kenzie Louise has 14. So they, they had it together. Rose uh, Caverly had a sh uh, shot at the end of regulation to win the game. Um, rimmed off. So the game went into over uh, game went into overtime and um, it went back and forth, back and forth. I, I was watching some of it. I had to leave for my broadcast, but um, it went right down to the last shot. Wow. And uh, Amanda Mobley had 18, Tassan had 14, and Hyacinth had 18. And then you had Fireball had 10 and Toomey had 10. Hmm. I saw the first two quarters and Ryder was on fire. They were 57% from the field first quarter and 57 from three. They hit four threes in the first quarter. They came out and they never, never really cooled off. They finished the game at 46% from the field and 44, 12 for 27 from the three. Helps out being at home. And I always say, regardless of what league you're in, who you are, when you go on the road against a conference opponent, it's going to be tough, especially after the big win. You come back on that second day, you make adjustments, tremendous amount of credit to Ryder coming back, defending their home court. Absolutely. And it was an exciting game. And you're right. I mean, it's so interesting from Friday night to Saturday. You know, it's really who can sustain excellence both nights. It is hard. No doubt about it. And uh, the last game uh, that was really uh, exciting, I'm, I'm sure you probably caught some of it. Um, the Manhattan Jaspers visited Monmouth. And Lady Jays. And it was good to see, you know, my Monmouth get on the court. You know, they exactly. haven't been on the court. So it was really, really good to see them uh, out there. And the first game, I mean, there were good battles, but I tell you, she really had a great weekend for the Lady Jaspers, and that was Dee Dee Davis. Uh, first game, she had 11. Uh, Courtney Worley had 14. And uh, Jana Hall had 13 for Mammoth, And uh, Jen Laura only had seven. But it was a pretty good game. Uh, Mammoth shot the ball well. They yes, they did. Like, no, they shot like 40% from the first half, only 10 from the three. And I think that hurt them. You know, they were, they were one for 10 from the three. And, you know, I don't know, but I have this feeling that Mammoth has that little gold dust, you know, on their shoulders right now. They get in close games. They figure out ways to win. They go on the road. I, I know Mammoth has not had a lot of outings. You know, that was their first Mac game. But they just seem like they have some people that they can go to and, and get it done. And so they, they won the first game 58-45. Uh, and then the second game, boy, that was a barn burner. Yes, indeed. Wasn't it? I mean, I, I don't know whether you caught it or not, but once again, uh, Dee Dee Davis was on fire. I mean, she, I mean, Mammoth came out much to Coach Craig's credit. They really came out tough, the, you know, um, after losing the first game on Friday, I thought they came out playing very, very inspired. You know, they took uh, the Lady Jaspers to task. Jen Laura finished with 14 points. Jaina Hall, second night again, had nine. Lucy Thomas had nine. So, you know, Jody's going to get them going. You know, they just haven't had a whole lot of experience. Establishing a rhythm, like you said, Coach, again, not having the practice time, not having that game experience, 
definitely hurts a team like Monmouth. But you could see, like you said, they have some pieces that can work. But when you're playing against those top-tier teams like a Manhattan, a D.D. Davis who can score. You talk about Courtney Worley, her game all around. And in that first game, you had the outside shooting of Sydney Watkins. She yes. knocked down a couple of threes. I believe she had 15 points all on three-pointers. Every time she got it, she was looking to score. A lady after my own heart. Absolutely. I, I think you were taking her along the side and you broadcasted uh, with your mask on to, to give her some uh, uh, pointers. But uh, it was really an exciting game. In fact, uh, Mama's had a chance to, to put it away. You know, they, they came down and uh, ran. I thought a really excellent play. Jen Laura had the shot underneath. And mm -hmm. once again, it reminded you of the Quinnipiac Lady Jasper game. You know, balls at the rim. You have five players underneath they're all scrambling and the ball just goes up to the rim falls down and Monmouth gets the rebound I mean uh, Manhattan gets the rebound and game over it was right. a heartbreaker for Monmouth but you could see the resilience of the Lady Jaspers you know when I say about that little gold dust they've got some stuff going on there like they they know that they're in the top tier and they're playing like you know, we're it. We were number one, you know, and we're really going to play like that. So, uh, you know, hats off to all of uh, the team's really good basketball this yes. year. You know, I, it was enjoyable to watch. Um, once again, the standings, uh, Fairfield still is number one. Uh, they're five and one. Did not play. Marist is uh, six and two in second place. Manhattan is three at seven and three. Uh, Quinnipiac four at five and three, St. Peter's five and five, Iona three and three, Sienna two and two, uh, Niagara one and three, Ryder two and 10, Mammoth zero oh and two, and Canisius zero oh and four. So, you know, that bottom tier hasn't played a lot, you know, so you don't mm -hmm. know what they have. Are they going right. to be fresh going into the tournament? Um, who knows, but um, that top tier, Fairfield, Marist, Manhattan, Quinnipiac's breaking in there. St. Peter's is a game away. Uh, they're tough outs. No so, question about it. And when you're one of those top-tier teams, Coach, it's so important when you go on the road that you don't slip up because obviously you know you're going to be up when you play each other, but you don't want to go somewhere and lose a game to a team you think you should be able to beat. Absolutely. And, you know, it, that sends the, the ripple waves. It's like a, throwing a pebble in the water and you see all the rippling water right. going out. I mean, when Quinnipiac, um, when Ryder beat Quinnipiac, you could see the phones were clicking, you know, and you saw Monmouth. I mean, the men, Lady Jaspers were holding their breath with that, yes. track, you know, at that rim. It's like, oh, my gosh. And then Niagara taking Maris to overtime. So I. It's exciting. You're right. Yes, it's, indeed. It's exciting. And um, it's going to be interesting um, what happens getting closer to the tournament with the pauses and what happens if someone tests positive right. go into the tournament. So, you know, February is going to be really that important, as you know, month. You get games rescheduled, games going. Who can really be bounced back? Who's got quick memories? You know, uh, so it's going to be exciting February. It's going to be interesting. You're right about that, Coach. Love to hear that. Good stuff on the women's side.
So go ahead, partner. You got the guys. Well, check it out, Coach. Let's jump into the fellas. This past weekend, Friday and Saturday, as I told you all last week, I was excited to see Mammoth come down to visit Manhattan. I'm looking forward to seeing Coach Rice, Keon Hammond, George Pappas, Malik Martin, who was one of my Uncle Smoothie's smooth operators, J.R. Reed with the deep voice. What's up, Smooth? How you doing? <laughs> and I'm going upstairs, getting myself prepared to drive up to Dratty to brush my pearly whites, Coach. The last thing I do before I walk out, I get a call. The game is canceled. So no game between the Jaspers and the Hawks because of a positive test. Well, I However, like the tweet. I, I like the picture on your Twitter of the four of you. You were getting ready. We were it, getting ready, Coach. I, I was going to team I, up with the Mammoth guys. And I got to tell you, you're the GQ of that group. Well, listen, I, mean, you, I appreciate I mean, it, you Coach. Going. <laughs> well, the game's canceled. I received the call. So obviously, I'm disappointed. However, I later hear it was a false positive. The reason I say all of that, I listened to the call with the coaches today. All the MAC coaches on the men's side had something to say, very empathetic, compassionate to the players and coaches on what they're dealing with. Every last coach just talked about going through the pause, not necessarily about basketball coach. They referred to just the young men, their student athletes, how demoralizing it can be, how stressful it can be, having someone test and it seems as though they ruined it for the team. And it's not even the case. And like we said in this case here, it was a false positive. And this young man was so upset that they were about to play and it was his fault. So a couple of the coaches, and again, I have to talk about Shaheem Holloway. I thought he was tremendous on the call. Just talked about trying to keep his team together. Coach Reggie, Reggie Witherspoon, you just empathize with these guys. Coach Rice, how again, keeping their guys together and some guys saying, I don't want to be in quarantine. I can't take it. And again, my thoughts and prayers with these players and the coaches. And like Coach Holloway said, a lot of times we don't think about the coaches. Yes, Coach Holloway, we're thinking about you coaches. My prayers are with you and you can get through it because I know it's very difficult. So listening to that call today allowed me to step back. We appreciate they put a good product on the floor and we want to cheer for them again without a lot of practice time again with the pauses in and out it can be very difficult so listening to that it made me understand yes smooth you missed the game again just thinking about it from their perspective totally different right. so let's get right into it coach right. we had three right. games right. so let's get into the three games now the teams that did not play iona didn't play coach patino he talked on there also. They've been on hiatus for a while. Obviously, Mammoth, I said, Canisius, Coach Reggie Witherspoon, compassionate for him, trying to get his guys back out there. The Jaspers didn't play, and Fairfield. So we had the game to start things off. Let's go to Jersey. That's your place where Maris goes to visit Ryder. Everybody predicted Ryder to be in last place. Coach Baggett said, not, 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 not this season. Because of this young man, game in and game out, he gives you a chance to white Murray Jr., 22, 5, and 7. And I circle the 7 because he's a small guard, and he gets 7 rebounds, Coach. 
Coach, I was 6'4". I don't even ever remember getting seven rebounds, maybe three or four. How can this guy get so many rebounds? So Maris falls to Ryder, 64-76, mainly because the white Murray Jr., he wills that team to victories, and they're starting to mesh. And a guy keeping an eye on Allen Powell had 13 sharpshooter. When Murray's going, he kind of gets everybody else going. But look at this. We always go to day two. It's a different day. Different things happen. Maris comes out on top, 76-67. What do you expect from Coach Dunn? You know he's going to make some corrections. He's going to make some changes in a short amount of time. A rookie, Ricardo Wright. He's a freshman, big guard, 22, 3, and 5. Now, with this Maris team, they depend a lot on their young guard. So that's why they're so up and down, in my opinion. Again, when Wright is playing well, and also the young fellow from Philly, Hakeem, when those guys are doing their thing, this Maris team is a team to reckon with. So again, the young players have a lot to do with what goes on in Maris, especially their guards. Now, Coach, the second game I'm going to go into, I'm going to give you the honors because I'm going to head over to Connecticut to the queue. And I knew you were on the broadcast. I actually listened. And you can break this down much better than me. My man, Marcus Darling from Niagara, they came to town. What went down? Well, they certainly did. And uh, it was the first night, Friday night, was just such a well-played game. You know, because mm. you, you, you knew it was going to be a defensive battle. You know, right. Coach Paulus, you know, loves his defense. They don't turn the ball over. Right, they don't they, turn you know, it over. They don't want the game in the 60s. They want the game in the 50s. And this year, you know, Coach Dunleavy has really put an emphasis on their defense. You know, the Bobcats were always known to be that three-point shooting team. And this year, they're really emphasizing the defense. They knew they threw the ball away when they played at Monmouth, so they were mm -hmm. going to clean that up. And so the game begins, and I got to tell you, it was a fun game to, to watch, a good game to call. And we all know Niagara Purple Eagles. Who do you think about? Marcus, right? Marcus, darling. Kobe's tough also. But you know what? Marcus has some people around him yes. that make the Purple Eagles a tough team. And Kobe Nwandu, oh my gosh, what a game he had. He had 18 points. Mm. And, you know, it really showed with Marcus Hammond that he's not only a scorer, but he's really a team player. You know, he kind of is silent, that silent killer, you know, right. you, you forget about him. He gets other people involved, not a showboat, but boy, Nwandu really put on a show. He was seven for 18. He uh, was rebounding. He was all over the place. And then you had Greg Kukamenza. Yes. Mean, he had nine points, but he was just always coming up with a, you know, the, the right play, the right rebound. Of course. Yeah, he certainly was. And they really, uh, again, it was a, a great game. It was a close game. And your guy put the, nailed the shot that really put the Purple Eagles over the top. Who am I talking about? It has to be my boy. It's Take got it. it. Raheem. Yeah, Raheem. Okay, Raheem, I'm sorry. No, no, it was Raheem Solomon. Oh, yes, Solomon needs to get more minutes. Yes, indeed. He's the guy that you kind of forget about, you know? And then he comes in, and he really nails the shot. Now, it was a close game. It was 59-56. Mm -hmm. 
So no one ever led by a lot. I mean, it, it was a game that like every possession you were hanging on, you know, mm-hmm. you thought somebody was going to break away and nobody really could. And Tyrese Williams for the Bobcats had 13 points. He really was, uh, it was really uh, scoring. Um, Shinnery had nine. And then of course, Jacob Ragoni. You know, everyone thought that Ragoni was just going to shoot threes, but he was playing some of the five spot. Okay. He was playing the four spot. He finished up with 12. And I always got to talk about my guy, Seth Whitney. <laughs> you know, he had nine points, he had seven uh, rebounds, and he played a really good floor game. Okay. Uh, good game. I mean, it was close all the way down. You know, you saw it. What did you see? I see anything? Well- Again, what I saw in that ball game a classic Mac battle. When you come on the road, I thought Niagara was able to control the tempo. I feel Quinnipiac's at their best when they're going up and down. They haven't really got a good rhythm in the half court set because they're not consistently making shots on the outside. And like you said, Seth is still a working process as far as getting his low post game going. Again, they play so tough on the defensive end, they always give themselves a chance. Now it's overnight, so (laughs) the the adjustments are coming. And I I really got to give credit to the the, the Bobcats. You know, they had a tough weekend at Monmouth, you know, and that that weekend could really make a team go south. Yes. No, it was a team. More mental than anything that weekend. Exactly. I mean, we know about the, the COVID, the pauses. It all plays into your mental aspect of the game. But losing two that you could have won and maybe should have won really mm-hmm. can play havoc. And now you're, you're playing on your home floor and you lose three points on Friday night. And I and Bobcats came out with a lot of energy. I was really uh, happy to see like they rebounded uh, from the, the loss on Friday. And again, almost like Friday night, game is close. Nobody could really break away. Marcus, you know, realized, oh, I got to step up a little bit. He's <laughs> taking my limelight around here. So he wasn't so silent on Saturday. I don't know if Coach Paulus had a chance to talk with him. I think Marcus listened to the broadcast a couple of weeks ago when I said he needs to be more aggressive and hunt down opportunities. Not necessarily shots all the time, but when you're a first-team all-conference player, you can hunt down opportunities because you've earned that respect and the right to do it. Absolutely. And and you know he's on top of his game. He played the second night 40 minutes. Mm. So playing all the minutes on Friday night and now on Saturday, well, your man did you proud because he scored 22 points. So, <laughs> it, so and he played the, the 40 minutes. Once again, um, Nwanda had 20. So, I mean, he had a great weekend. He was a real warrior out there. I thought he was, uh, you know, at times the Bobcats didn't have an answer for him. Right. You know, well, remember a- I said, Coach, in our league, those guys who are about 6'4 to 6'6 always do well because they can do a little bit of everything. They can put it on the floor. They can rebound. They get it in transition. So if you're one of those guys who can do that, use your athleticism, you're usually going to do very well in our league. And I think Kobe's one of those guys who fits the bill. Absolutely. Now, the Bobcats. All right. Seth Pickney. That's your guy. 
15 points, eight rebounds, played 30 minutes. Woo, big fella, night. 15 and eight? Yes. And and Jacob Ragoni scored his 1,000 points. So I did see that on Instagram. I'm sorry, Twitter. And I give him a shout out saying congrats, fam. Absolutely. And then Brendan McGuire. You know, okay. he's that he's the guy on the Bobcats on Quinnipiac that you gotta watch. He was one of those guys who grew three inches, you know, mm. and now he's he's got the guard skills, but he's like six seven. So he can guard somebody, you know, in the post. He if he's guarding another guard, it makes it very difficult for him. And how about his line? Five for nine, seven for eight from the free throw line, scored 19 points. Wow, that's beautiful. 26 minutes. And what happened, Coach Dunleavy kind of shortened his rotation a little bit. You know, he's got a lot of great young players. They're good young players, not great yet. They're good, all right? And he's, you know, trying to figure them all out, and they're trying to get adjusted. But keep your eye on Louis Courtright. Okay. Louis Courtright is a freshman out of St. Raymond's, and he didn't get much time in the beginning. I think he was nursing a little bit of an injury, wasn't highly recruited, but boy, does he have that it factor. You know, when you watch a game, yes. and you see a player and you go like, he's got it. Well, this young man has it. I like Mark it. my words, you're, he's going to be the reason why the Bobcats get out of tier three and up to tier two and possibly <laughs> getting up to that 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 first tier. We're gonna hold you to it, Coach, but keep in mind, there's not a big difference between tier three and tier one. One weekend can get you from one place to the other. <laughs> Absolutely. The Bobcats finished, uh, you know, they were a little bit uh, amiss on the free throw line. If you remember back at Mammoth, it was a little costly, a little costly in the first game against the uh, Purple Eagles. Second game, 25 for 30. So they scored 25 points from the free throw line. You know, they were, uh, McGuire was seven for eight. So he's that tough guard. You know, he's that that tough coverage. You you know, you think you got him stopped and with his length, he can go another step. So he's someone that, you you know, you you really got to watch. And I got to tell you, I know we're not supposed to really talk about officials, but last play of the game of the first night you know and this is when you know we're the mac has such classy coaches all right bobcat ball underneath their basket there were uh 1.7 seconds and louis courtright is inbounding the ball all right and he's you know quinnipiac's running a play as you know the purple eagles Paula's team's going to defend it. And as Cartwright's like ready to make his pass, he, um, I think it was Kobe. Kobe came up and I thought crossed the plane Mm. and touched the ball as it was coming in. And it was intercepted by Niagara. Wow. They got the ball, they win the game. And so I, you know, the broadcast, you see different angles, you see the replay, you know, not with the official seat at the present, you know, when the time is going on. But I think uh, just the way the ball came off, I'm like, I think that was touched. You know how it's the same officiating crew. 
officials come in and they watch the game. So right. you know, here, hats off to the officials because you think that they don't care, uh, you know, that the game is over. They watch their their performance. And we asked the official what the rule was, you know, because you know if, if he breaks a plane, it's a technical, and you know, and he he did say, he goes, I I I missed it. Wow. You know? Uh, and he said he was going to talk to, you know, Coach Dunleavy before. But, you know, credit to both coaches, not a big uproar, not, you know, a screaming, not a temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't have been like that. I would have been <laughs> out of my seat. You know, I was Well, like, Coach Dunleavy, he is a class act. Obviously, he had a right to be very upset. Again, the coaches across the board do such a great job in our league. So you got to give them a lot of love. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, that was a, an exciting weekend up in, up in Hamden. And yeah, I got to you know tell what? you, uh, Greg Paulus was, was, Coach Paulus was funny. We asked him about um, how they never turned the ball over, you know, and did he bring that with him from Duke from playing down <laughs> for uh, Coach Zeski? And he said, well, this is what Mike told me. He said, you know that basketball, that's got your name on it. Uh -huh. And you better not lose it. You know, because it's your piece. It's your thing. And he said he always remembered that, and he's carrying that over to his team. But uh, he shared with us some things about what it was like playing, like being a Blue Devil. It was a pleasure to speak with him when we had the opportunity also. Again, hats off to all the coaches. Anytime I speak with those guys and young ladies, it is a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So well, check it out, Coach. Let's get to the marquee game. Here we go. Of the oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Marquee game. Only reason I say it's the marquee game, because, again, you have the first place Sienna Saints playing in this game, and it's on ESPNU. So you want both teams to have a good showing for our conference. So I got to give them a lot of love. On the call was Rob and Noah. I thought both of those guys called a great game. But more importantly, the teams played a very good game. St. Peter's. Coming off a of pause, they go up to Siena, the hottest team in the league, who have won 16 straight games. St. Peter's pulls it off 68-62. St. Peter's is so solid on the defensive end. They get after you. Again, Siena, very explosive. But being able to just keep those guys under control, I was so impressed with the St. Peter's defense. And the guy that you know I love, Casey Nadefo. Casey is a beast. 6'7", undersized to play inside. However, he's put on a little bulk. I got to give him love for that. He tries to block everything, leads the country in block shots. But you know what impressed me most about Casey in this ball game, coach? He can put it on the floor now. Casey can put it on the floor. The play that I think about the most in that game, Casey gets a rebound. Takes it coast to coast, lays it in. I don't think Casey has done that ever before in his career. He's going off the bounce, being bigs. So I love what I saw from St. Peter. Balanced scoring. They had five guys in double figures. But this one young man comes off the bench, averaging less than three points. Marty Severa has 12 points and four rebounds. This young man rarely used... Coach Holloway goes to his bench. He comes in, knocks down the three ball, gets to the lane, gets some rebounds. So those are the type of performances you need from guys off your bench. And Coach Holloway did say earlier today, I listened to him, he wants to get his bench more involved. And again, if this guy plays like that, he will definitely get additional minutes. 
St. Peter's gets the victory on ESPNU, but you know you got to come back for the second night, coach. That second, second night. Second night. Now, I must say, second night, low-scoring game. Kind of reminds me when I was playing my CL CYO days. Sienna wins this one, 47-40. I like this game for Sienna because it tells me it can win a slugfest. They're going to battle you and fight you because, again, they have so much talent. It can be explosive. In that first game, again, Jordan King led the way with 21 points. He's been playing so well. Jalen Pickett coming back off an injury. He's not 100%. Again, he's on the floor. You got him, Camper, King. All these guys can really score the basketball. Again, you only score 47, but you keep St. Peter's to 40. Who scores 40 points at the college level now? And it's a shot clock. But that's the type of game we will see in the MAC, especially coming off of pauses. Not a lot of good offensive rhythm. You want to win. If you win, you win ugly, but you want to survive and advance. So I tip my hat off to Sienna, Annie Camper, big time, 12 and 13. And for St. Peter's, Errol Banks, the third, had nine points. But these are the two teams, or two of the teams. Again, I'm going to bring St. Peter's who can take a step into that top tier with the Siena that you're looking forward to seeing playing in a game, in a one-game elimination where anything can happen. Now, with that being said, Coach, I'm going to talk about the players of the week. Mac has said to me, smooth, our player of the week is Dwight Murray Jr., and I totally agree. I talked about Ryder. This Ryder team lost so much from last season. And the coaches said they will finish last. But in fairness to the coaches, even if you finish last in the MAC, you might be so close to the first base team, it's not a big deal. And that's the way I look at it. But he has put everything together to keep this Ryder team competitive game in and game out. And as I said earlier, he goes to the glass and he's a small guard, six feet, and I'm being generous. He goes in there and mixes it up. He's a great leader. He deserves it. Rookie of the week was in that same game for Marist. Ricardo Wright, 6-4, big guard, does a little bit of everything. I believe as the young guards go, that's how Marist will go. The good thing about being young is, Coach, you get older. So Coach Dunn, after this season, they become sophomores, and they'll be better that next year. But what we see now is good stuff. Love Ricardo Wright. And what everybody likes to hear, of course, we love the player of the week and the rookie. Everybody wants to know who's the smooth operator of the week. I missed the opportunity to see my two guys mix it up last week because I was looking forward to see Malik go against Elijah Buchanan, my last two guys. But in this one, I'm going with Casey Nadefo. I heard Coach Holloway say, why isn't my guy the player of the week? But you know what, Coach? He's a smooth operator of the week. That's even better. AC has added putting the ball on the floor. I love him going coast to coast. A couple of inside out crossovers. He put on some big guys, got into the lane. He's going to try to block everything. We know that's a given. Unbelievable motor. But what I like most, he's a team player. He's not looking for his. However, I like him being aggressive. He does whatever he needs to do to help that St. Peter's team win. And Casey Defo is the smooth operator of the week. Make sure Coach Holloway hears that. Smooth operator. He gets love from Uncle Smoothie. 
And what I'm listening to right now, Coach, to close it out, Jay-Z, O-H-O-V, in the house. You can't lose with Jay-Z. That's in my spin of records or my spin, what we call them, my playlist. <laughs> that is on my playlist. Jay-Z, give it up to Hove. All right. Well, I got my three. You know, I always have my three. Let's get it, Coach. All right. I got to go with Eminem. All right. I got to go with Michaela yes. Morris. I mean, double, double, double. Is double. that plain or peanuts, Eminem's? <laughs> well, we're up to ask her, you know. Uh, right. I, I, I like the plain, but you know, I got I like, you. She's I tough. I like the guy with the mold in, inside. <sighs> All right. My other one, I got to agree with the Mac. You know, they never steer you wrong. Right. Caitlin Weimer. I mean, she's yes. not a freshman. I mean, she, I think, you know, you can say all the other players on the Red Foxes for Maris, but I think she is the difference maker. And my third one, I love this player, Dee Dee Davis. Dee Dee Davis! I just think, you know, she was the reason why, you know, Mammoth had upset on their mind. She went there, they needed some buckets. She gets it. She's not afraid to take the big oh. shot. You know, and, you know, so you know she wants it. She's going to perform. And I just like her attitude. So they're Flat my out favorite. score. And you know what we did not say? Emily LaPointe did not play in that game. I don't think she played for the weekend. I know she didn't play in the first game. So, again, that gives a player like Dee Dee Davis an opportunity to get a couple of more touches. And you know scores love to touch that basketball and do what they need to do. Absolutely. And I am listening to Lana Del Rey. She's got some new stuff out. And, uh, you know, I come home from work and I put that on and I can roll. So uh, I love it, I coach. To Lana Del Rey. All right. What do you have on tap for this weekend? Do you have a game you're covering? I do. I have a Saturday and Sunday. Sienna is coming down to Quinnipiac. Winning. Okay. Okay, I got the ladies uh, Saturday, not Friday, Saturday, but Saturday and Sunday. So this was a game that was scheduled two weekends ago. Seattle went on pause. So now they're ready to play. So the same well, thing. Mac had put out a new schedule a day or two ago also. So it has been changes. Obviously, we can't say anything because it may change again, Coach. So you don't know. <laughs> I, I know. I, I get texts like, right, you know, Hours before the game, guess what? You know, and like as you say, you know, we talk about the coaches, we talk about the players, the trainers. Yes. One thing also, let's talk about the administrators. Mm. They're the ones that have to reschedule, make sure, you know, let the officials know, let the uh, people, the in house people know, and then they got to call, you know, and then it's the domino effect. You know, right. one game has to change, then another game. And, um, so I really want to tip my hat to the administrators for able to keeping this all together. Yes, yes. And like we talked about the mental health, because obviously it can be taxing on so many people because you want to play, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. And I believe one of the coaches said it's almost inevitable that it's going to happen even when you do everything correctly. And I believe the students are coming back Yes. for most of the schools now. So that throws something else into the equation. As a college student, I can't even fathom the idea of not being able to hang out with my friends. And you know, you have to stay in your room and your friends are coming back and you want to see them, especially you've been on campus this entire time, just playing ball. You want to see somebody new and you can't go and hug them. So, oh, that throws a monkey wrench in everything I stand for. 
Oh, I, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, they're on like lockdown. And yes. you know, I asked about the meals and like they have to go and they're all wrapped up. I mean, you can't mess around in the, in yes. the dining hall. Oh, exactly, folks. I so mean, again, I commend them all. We definitely do. We definitely commend you and we appreciate it. We appreciate having the opportunity to broadcast these games and see you go out there and perform. So it's all love. All you coaches, all you administrators, Uncle Smoothie and the coach appreciate it. Absolutely. And now we got to get up our game a little bit because now it's going international. International, baby. Well, check it out, Coach. For me this weekend, I will be covering the Jaspers and Canisius. Canisius will be traveling down to Dratty from Buffalo. So we got to give some Buffalo love. And like we said, we haven't seen them as much. So we're going to see what we can do and get that going. Well, I got one request. Whoever does your camera down at Dratty, make sure they get a picture of you. You got my GQ. just get me on camera at least once in a while, right? Absolutely, I got the GQ. I mean, the man's written books. He's getting yachts going. <laughs> He's got everything going. You got to show him. So, camera people, give him a look. <laughs> I appreciate it, Coach. All love, baby. All right, so that's our Mac chat of the week. Listen up. We had Jen Faye from Quinnipiac on. Great uh, young lady made a transition from player to grad assistant to now assistant coach. Listen up, she's got a good story. Jen Faye, professional score. Love her energy and enthusiasm. You will enjoy listening to her. My goodness. She I, made me want to play again, coach. No, didn't she? I, I, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She was uh, contagious. All right, so that's it for us this week. And uh, let, God willing, we'll be covering some games this weekend. Everybody stay safe. And as you always say, stay positive. positive. energy is a gift. Be a giver, Coach, just like you are, baby. Let's get it. Mac chat. Here we go. Stay uh, positive. Test negative. Here we go. All right. So uh, Mac chat in the house, the legendary Jen Fay from the Quinnipiac Bobcats. Welcome to Mac chat. <laughs> What's up, Jen? Uncle Smoothie's in the building with the coach and the professional scorer, Jen Fay. I'm happy to be here, guys. So thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm excited. Uh, you know, obviously in a new role, so you know, can't wait to get going. Well, we know every time you went as a player in any Mac gym, no matter who was doing the broadcast, she's my favorite player. She's my <laughs> favorite player. I mean, uh, I. Chris, I think I remember uh, when I was doing radio and I went in the gym, mm -hmm. the first thing you said was Jen Faye. No question about it. As I said, Jen, a professional scorer. The one thing I realized when Quinnipiac came to town, again, as a Manhattan broadcaster, I knew they were going to bring the business. She <laughs> came in with a super class. And the one thing that stuck out was I just thought Jen and Arn were so skilled. Both of those players get their shot off at any time and they never forced anything. And what I loved about your game was you worked at mid range. You didn't always focus on the three, but you went to spots where you knew you could score. And I claim at that time period, she is a professional scorer. And again, you work that game. <laughs> that means a lot. That means a lot. Uh, I love, I love playing at Manhattan. I love that gym. <laughs> well, you know, Jim, you know, we, we know you, you know, as a basketball star, and now we're going to get into your, your new role, but how did you first get involved in basketball? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Long Island, New York. 
Um, I went to high school in Brooklyn, so have a little bit of a diverse background there, but I grew up playing pretty much every sport under the sun, whether it was baseball, basketball, soccer, volleyball. My dad played college basketball. He's like 6'6", so kind of got the athletic genes from him, but you know, played every sport uh, up until I really couldn't, until I had to choose one in college, and it was basketball. So grew up playing at the park with the boys, whether it was tackle, football, baseball, everything possible. So uh, that's kind of where I learned to compete. And uh, ever since then, you know, just been a really super competitive person in all aspects of life. Well, I know you probably uh, were big on the AAU circuit. What AAU team did you play for? I played for, so when I was real young, I played for the Long Island Lightning. That was like our local club. Um, and then I, you know, took the jump and wanted to, you know, get into a more competitive setting where they were traveling, you know, all over to the bigger tournaments. So I joined up with uh, Exodus New York City, um, who they're a Nike EYBL team now, really well known. They got a bunch of commits going to like UConn, UCLA, like, you know, top, top programs all over. So really proud to say that I uh, came from that program. Now, what, uh, why Quinnipiac? What made you become a Bobcat? Um, you know, honestly, um, early in my recruiting process, I wasn't too familiar with Quinnipiac, even though I was from Long Island. It was only about an hour and a half away. But immediately, just I remember my first phone call with uh, Mountain McGilvery and Coach Fabry and just that sense of care. Um, you know, whether it was I had a game that night, I would get a good luck text in the morning or, you know, they drove all the way to Nazareth. They drove to Brooklyn to watch me play you know, even after I was committed, right? So that's just says something when it's that family atmosphere, the coach had been there, you know, for at that point it was, you know, about 20 years. So she wasn't going anywhere. And I think that that's something that's so overlooked these days is, you know, not a lot of coaches stay for that long. So I think that that really spoke to me and I wanted to go somewhere where, you know, I knew I was in a stable situation and where they cared about me, not just on the court, but off the court. And I, I really felt that. Take us to your, uh, your freshman year, you know, there's a transition from high school to college. What, what was that all about? Uh, it was rough. I'm not going to lie. I was uh, super out of shape. It took me till about my junior year to uh, lose about 15 pounds and make the sprints up and down. But the one thing that was consistent with me was that I loved to ball. So I don't think anyone ever doubted my, uh, you know, let's go play pickup and Jen won't want to play. I, I was the first one that just wanted to play, you know, every competitive drill. I didn't love the three-man weave and those kind of drills, I'll be completely <laughs> honest. But every time coach was saying, you know, we're five-minute scrimmage or nickel-dime or our, our half-full-half drill where there's going to be a score and we're going up and down, uh, you know, I, I was hyped for those drills. So it took me a while to really get those fundamentals and, you know, mental toughness and all that kind of stuff. That, that, that was a, a big transition for me, but my love for the game was, was always there. And I think as a coach, you know, you love to coach those kind of kids. So Now, who did you look up to um, as a player? Hmm. That's a good question. And honestly, you know, like I'd say Kobe was my favorite player growing up and that's such a generic answer. I, I know that's everybody's, but I never had like one player that I was just like, Oh, I want to be just like them. I kind of think I just kind of wrote my own path in a certain sense. I watched every, you know, I watched WNBA, I watched college, I watched the NBA, I played all the video games. Hey, you got your own sweatshirt on. Yeah. I got, yeah. I got my WNBA hoodie on and I still to this day, like, even if you were to ask me now, if there's one player, I don't know if I could necessarily name one player who I just, you know, mocked everything that they did. It wasn't really like that for me. I was, I kind of feel like it was more beneficial for me to take 
something from everybody, right? So whether it was, you know, a mid-range shot from this person or being able to post up a smaller guard, and that's kind of how I played. So I don't really think I've, I keyed in on one person specifically. I kind of tried to take a little bit of something from everybody. Well, you know, before we got on, I, I went to your stats and I apologize for reading, but it's so long. I had to go on. <laughs> you know, um, five-time uh, MAC regular season champions while yeah. you were a Bobcat, uh, four tournament wins, Sweet 16, you know, winning three games in the NSA tournament. You're a three-time All-MAC selection, two-time MVP, and in addition, four-time All-MAC academic. So, I mean, that, that's a rare, you know, that's a rare combination where you finish with uh, over 1,200 points, 146 threes. Um, you know, that's just an outstanding, you know, all around career. So, um, what, what, what are, give me two games that really stick out. Two, well, just two, just two. Well, smoothie, just two games. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I have to obviously say, um, you know, the Miami game was unbelievable, um, getting us to the Sweet 16. But I think my direct, if I'm talking about my direct contribution, the Marquette game was probably one of the best games of my career personally. Um, as a team, obviously, the Miami game trumps that. Any day of the week, getting to the Sweet 16, that locker room feeling was, there is nothing like that. And now as I go into coaching, um, that feeling will never leave. And I think everyone on that team, you know, coaches and players, uh, that, that moment in the locker room after the Miami win, pouring the Gatorade cooler on Coach Fabry and, you know, just walking back out to the bus. And we had so many fans and family down in Miami that you, you couldn't believe it, right, being far away from home. Uh, that feeling now going into coaching is something that I want for every player. And every day you step on the court, you don't, the kids that we have now, obviously they're, they're new. So they don't realize what that, what it feels like, but every day in practice, like that's what we're pushing for. And when we do get there and when they do win their first Mac tournament, and when they do get to the NCAA and they get that win, they're going to know why coach Fabry's expectations are so high every single day in practice and why that's what I love about her. She never drops the standard ever. So definitely, you know, I'm going to put those two games in, in the same category. And then I'm definitely going to say um, um, last year, obviously 2019, my again game against Marist um, in the championship, uh, you know, just feeling really, really confident going in. And obviously I think I had a, I honestly had a pretty rough uh, shooting, shooting season in terms of, I was slumping that whole beginning of that my senior year and uh, wasn't happy with my performance whatsoever. But again, our team was just so well-rounded that we still ended up going undefeated um, throughout the regular season. But finally, you know, I, I worked my butt off the entire year in terms of, I got to make a shot. I only got a couple games left. Right. So, you know, it's easy to get in your head, but finally everything kind of came together in that last Mac tournament for me. So was uh, super happy with the way that I played in that Marist game, that championship. Well, check it out really quickly, Jen. It sounds like it's one of my, my favorite games. Obviously, I enjoyed you coming to Manhattan to Draddy all the time. But if I remember during the tournament, mm -hmm. I broadcast one or two of the games, and you were just really fatigued. You had some injuries after one game, and they pretty much said, Jen won't be able to play tomorrow, and you did everything you needed to do yes. to get back on that court. Was that the particular game? That, that was, game stands out to me. Yeah, that was 2018, Chris, so right. I remember 
that was the 2018 game. Um, this is a story that I guess not that many people have heard. Coach, you might have heard it, but uh, yeah, the night before the championship game, I you know I've torn two ACLs. I did one my sophomore year. That's how I got that red shirt year. But I've always had you know knees. By by March, my knees were usually shot. So 2018, I remember after that semifinal game, it was just locking up on me. And I woke up the next morning like, and I was like, oh my, you know. And for I, I'm not somebody. I've missed five games in my whole career and one was due to a, it was due to a bone bruise my senior year, but up until that point, I had never missed a game. So for me to, you know, even question playing in a championship game was uh, not like me at all. And I remember I, I went to coach Fabry's room that morning and I literally was like crying and crying in there saying, I cannot play. I cannot play. Like my leg was just, I couldn't even walk. I don't know what it was the, you know, arthro I don't know what it was, but it was, I couldn't bend my leg and I was really just mentally just not in a good spot heading into the arena that morning. Um, Cause it was at 11 AM championship game time, I believe, but the doc, Dr. Wong and uh, our athletic trainer, Becky Mella, uh, you know, they, they gave me some pep talks and we got a couple, uh, a couple numbing shots in there. And I was like, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. We'll, we'll do what we can. But I, I just remember that morning uh, specifically just talking to coach and just being so sad. Cause I literally just thought I wasn't going to be able to play. And, you know, she was obviously super supportive of me and knew I would come around eventually and try and at least get on the floor. It wasn't going to go down without a fight, but I remember like 10 minutes before the game, I, I finally got to get out to warmups because they were just trying to numb me up and loosen it up and all that. And uh, I, I, I think I was like 0 for 7 in the first half from 3, Chris, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but once, but I remember when I started, you know, the first quarter, I was like, all right, I was a little like limpy, whatever. But once I just started playing and the adrenaline started, came out in the second half and I remember I was over seven and Mount McGillivray said to me, you know, I don't care how many shots you miss, you're going to take that next one because they believed in me. So came out and had a pretty big second half. Um, and you know, didn't feel a thing during the game after the game, after the game, it was hurting, but by that point it did not matter. So that was classic. Faye. I remember it well, it was a crazy story, but, um, yeah, you know, looking back on it, that was, that was a pretty big moment for me too. And, and obviously my team just being there for me. Well, I remember walking over because uh, I was uh, doing radio then. Yes. And I walked over. You were as silent as anything. And, you know, it felt like Willis Reed, you know, she comes <laughs> out down the tunnel and, you know, is Jen going to play? Is Jen going to play? Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, and then the game just, you know, kicks in and, and, and there you go. Yeah. And I, and I, and I hate that though, too, because like just the attention on me, like we're, we're trying to play a championship game. We got a lot of people. I'm confident that even if I didn't play in that game, we still would have came out with the win because our team was that type of team where if one person, you know, had an off day, they were going to, the, the next person was going to step up, whether it was Paula, Aaron, Dale, whoever it was, you know, we, we were going to step up for each other in that time of need. All right. Now, you, you know, you graduate and uh, if I'm not mistaken, you graduated with uh, your master's degree as well. Yes, secondary education. Yep, did a little student teaching uh, last year. Okay, so now you're on the bench. Tell us, you know, walk us through the transition from, you know, because a lot of time players um, don't want to coach. They're like, oh, no, don't get me into coaching. You know, they see it on the other side. But it seems like you really, you know, this is a path that you really are invested and you, you really are passionate about. Yeah, you know, it's funny because up until my senior year, I really never had a desire. I, I wasn't always like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to definitely going to coach after I, uh, I had some thoughts about going overseas, some opportunities to do that. But 
just the way my body felt. I just, you know, and I was just so content with the way everything ended in terms of basketball. Just what more could you ask for, you know, four championships and a great, you know, great relationships with everybody at Quinnipiac and, and beyond. So, you know, going into coaching wasn't initially my first thought, but uh, I remember one day uh, coach Wilson, who's, you know, now our uh, head assistant said to me, you know, you should really ask coach to uh, hop on as a GA next year. So I remember, I was like, you know, what? I think I'm going to think about having that conversation. And, you know, obviously last year being the grad assistant, I got a taste of what coaching would be like um, in terms of being on the floor, working players out, helping with scouts, helping with video stuff, doing all of that. And uh, once I did that, I was like, this, it doesn't feel like a job. It, it's what I absolutely love to do. And the fact that now I'm still getting out on the floor playing scout offense and, you know, still giving them buckets a little bit, but. That's you know, the answer to the question I've been wanting. Fun in the air. Yeah. I've been talking to Coach Nolan for so long. I said, I know Jen Faye still gets out there and goes <laughs> to work and gives off some buckets. Thank you, yes. Faye. Thank right. you. Show the youngsters. Right. <laughs> no, and, I, and it's so much fun. It, what's even better is that, you know, if even if I'm out there and I'm and I'm playing scout offense, I'm trying to like show them what I'm seeing. So it's not about me anymore, right? It's it's about yeah. I had a great career. We had a bunch of wins, but what can I give to this team now so that we can maintain that level of success and that every one of our players, you know, feels confident and comfortable talking to me and asking me and working out with me. And I absolutely that's my favorite part is those those workout sessions on the weekends on an off day and just uh, getting in the gym with those kids and really like making them believe in themselves. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. great. You're the one who holds the pad now instead of getting hit by the pad. <laughs> yeah. And with that being said, Jen, Coach Fabry spoke so highly of you when we had her on. She just talked about how the team really loves you. They gravitate towards you. She talked about a story where she said, well, listen, I'm going to pick you guys up in the bus at this time period. And they said, well, Jen will be in the gym. Well, I'm going with Jen. I'm going with Jen. <laughs> So that's good to hear that you actually bridge that gap and able to relate so well to the younger players and they can get to understand it from a different perspective. Right. And I, I think the, the transition was also seamless just because obviously I played for coach. I played for coach Wilson. I played for coach Brennan. And, you know, so when coaches getting on people a little bit, right. You know, I, that was me. That was me a couple of years ago. She used to scream at me too. Right. Don't take it personally. So it is, it is a little bit easier. I think for me to relate just because they know that I've been through that, that same, you know, having a tough practice or the body language and just being able to really relate and Hey, she's doing this again because her standards are high. And she wants, you're going to meet this standard and it's going to make you so much better for it. So just, you know, understanding where she's coming from, I think it's easy for me to kind of relate to the players in that way. Now, when you go into um, the Mac arenas, you know, now you've got this different role. Uh, what's different? Hmm. Um, I think the, the time before the games, is just like, oh my God, I'm, we get there, you know, Coach Fabry's, you know, we're going to get there two hours before the game regardless. So I think I'm just so used to my routine of, I would want to be the first one taped as a player so I can get out on the court and shoot before everyone else got out there. Cause I'm not the type of player I hate when there's, you know, 10 people on the court and 10 basketballs everywhere and everyone's hitting everyone's. So I was, I was always the first one on the court to go get my shots up. And then when everyone else came out and that's when I would go read my scout or listen to some music. And I already got my warm up in. Now I'm like, I get to the gym and I'm, you know, I'm obviously reading my scout and doing all that, but uh, there's a lot of waiting time. I will say that. So 
that's definitely a big transition uh, being on the road. But again, it's also just trying to make sure the players are prepped. So whether that's maybe showing them a, a couple extra film clips, cause I, you know, have my iPad with me and we'll have our scouts on there or going over some plays with someone who might be putting a new spot uh, for this game or, you know, just stuff like that and doing whatever I can rebounding for the players. I do a lot of rebounding these days. So just trying to stay as involved as I can. And again, if we have that much time on the road anyway, why not, uh, why not be useful, right? <laughs> All right, now let's say uh, your first time, because I know uh, this was always something that assistants got a little nervous about. The mm -hmm. first time you had to present a scout. Ah, <laughs> yes. So last year I helped out with one. Um, so I kind of did like a little mini one and I kind of asked, I was like, oh, can I, can I present this one? So, uh, you know, I, I kind of took it upon myself to, to ask, even though, you know, necessarily they weren't going to give it to me necessarily unless I asked for it. But so I got a little taste of it last year, but this year, honestly, my first real scout was going to be Sienna. And then that game just got canceled. So, but I did the whole thing. And, you know, I think also just, again, being there in the summer, being there all last year, I didn't feel too, too much pressure in terms of presenting it. I feel like I had led film sessions earlier in the year based on practice cutting up practice clips and showing those to the team. Um, but definitely, yeah, you're a little nervous up there the first time around. Everyone's staring at you. And, you know, I just try and keep it light, though. And I just try to be myself. Um, you know, I'm not somebody that's super, super, like, micromanage detail. Like, like, I want them to just understand personnel, actions, and keep it as simple as possible. And, again, that's coming back from how I was as a player also. And I knew that 10, 12 pages of plays ne didn't necessarily mean that I was more prepared. I want to be able to, you know, know what does this player like to do? Are they a shooter? Do they go right? Do they go left? Um, and I try and simplify it as much as I can and really hone in on what's actually important as opposed to just feeling like I've covered, you know, 20,000 plays. So that's kind of how my approach. And I think it just kind of goes along with my personality too, in terms of just being a little bit more laid back. Let's make it entertaining. Let's have a good time. Let's, but let's get, let's get to the real important stuff here um, and not spend an hour on stuff that, you know, you might not remember anyway, <laughs> <laughs> if we're being real. And I, again, it's just from my perspective as a player and um, you know, just knowing what my teammates also said about certain scouts. Right. So it's, it's just, what, what are we going to focus on to get this win and what's really going to matter when it comes to game time? Nice. Now, what I, I know uh, from talking to people, they always tell me, you know, it's a lot easier being on the bench than being in the stands, you know, because <laughs> when you're on the bench and you're involved in the game, what's the uh, most challenging thing for you as you sit on the bench? Oh, honestly, right now it's, so I'm kind of in charge of like the timeouts and the foul, like keeping track of player fouls and, supposed to be charting like either offense or defense depending on who scouted it is so like what we're running stuff like that like what's working and I just get so caught up in the game that like I'm like oh what did we just run like what was that play like so there's a lot of times where I'm like oh like I, I get to the third quarter and I'm like oh like you know I, I I can't do that or now that we don't have box score you know physical box scores I think that's been a little bit tough so I'm trying to like refresh the iPad and then look at the game and it's just a lot going on. So for me, I'm just trying to get better at, you know, making sure that I'm on top of what I'm supposed to be on top of while still not being a robot, right? I don't want to just be watching the play. Like I got to see what's happening on the floor. And I think in practice, it's similar to that too. Like, can I watch the offense and the defense at the same time? 
Like that's, that's for me, like where I definitely need to improve right now. I feel like I can watch one team, but, oh, I didn't see what happened on the weak side. I got to be able to see the whole play. So I think year like, that's going to be my goal, you know, obviously for next year and the years to come is, can you see everything happening on the floor? Not just where the ball is. Well, two statistics don't mess up. Timeouts and how many fouls people have. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I had one game where I was like, oh, "She's got, she's got three. It's third quarter. Uh, we gotta get him." <laughs> but uh, luckily, I've, I've, I've made a concerted effort to make sure that I'm on top of it. So we're getting better. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, check it out, Faye. I love your energy, and it's obvious why the team loves you, why Coach loves you. What's the biggest adjustment working with Coach as far as understanding how? She's demanding from her players. Mm -hmm. How about from her coaching staff? I think the biggest thing with coaches, you know, she wants to hear everyone's input, but you better be able to back up your answer. So whether it's, you know, don't just throw out an idea for the sake of throwing out an idea. You have to have some context behind it. And I really like that challenge because it makes, you know, think a little bit, like, let me not just say something just to say something. And especially for me, obviously, in terms of like recruiting in the beginning of the year, I didn't really understand exactly how everything worked. So I would kind of just sit back a little bit and, you know, when I feel like I'm okay saying that I don't understand something or I don't know, you know, can you explain this to me again? So certain things like that, I feel totally comfortable with. And, but I'm also not afraid to share ideas, you, you know? So coach is going to tell you, eh, I don't really like that idea, Jen, or yes, Jen, that's, that's a great one. So okay. I think we have such a good relationship where I don't get offended if she doesn't want to go with one of my ideas where I'm not going to ever say something again. And I love that about coach though, is that she really challenge you to think before you speak in terms of, you know, bring something to the table, but make sure that it's something that, you know, we can apply to our team or you have a good reason behind it. Um, but I, I really enjoy that, that aspect of it. And I love how comfortable she is though with, Hey, I just, I saw this, this team run this play. Can we, can we try this out in practice? And she'll be like, yeah. And she'll middle of practice. She'll let me, you know, Jen, um, you know, write up that, that drop that out of bounds play you saw. And maybe it works and maybe it doesn't, but at least she gave me the opportunity. So. Uh, who are you watching on TV that you're getting some plays from? Ah, definitely. I've been watching a lot. I'm not going to lie. I'm watching a lot of uh, UCLA, Corey Close, UCLA, and uh, Arkansas. I'm, I love offensive basketball. You guys know that. So <laughs> when, I watch, uh, when I watch Arkansas play, I love their pace and the way they go up and down. Coach, coach might not agree because she doesn't think that they play all that much defense. <laughs> but but uh, coaches, coach loves her defense. And, uh, you know, she's made me appreciate it a lot more. And I've definitely learned a lot in terms of the defensive side of the ball from her. Uh, but I'm always about getting buckets. <laughs> nice. Now, when you have to lobby on the bench, do you go through another coach? Or like, I know uh, sometime uh, my uh, early assistants would say, you know, tell her this. She won't take it from me, but she'll take it from you, you know? Or, <laughs> so is there a little pecking order going on? Um, Honestly, no. I think, again, like, this is, I, I guess, the like the advantage of me just having such a great relationship with coach and playing for her. Again, if this was my first year at a completely new program, I think things would be a lot different um, in terms of that. But I think coach is totally, again, like just like in the office, like totally comfortable with me just going up. She wants those ideas. 
She wants to hear, she wants to hear ideas in her head. So even if she doesn't like it, you know, she's just not going to use it. But if one of those ideas clicks, yeah, we're going with that. Or what do you got here? She wants to hear those ideas. She doesn't want to be the one having to think of every possible thing. You know, she's trying to watch the whole game. That's what we're for as assistants. So of course we'll discuss amongst ourselves and, you know, go with the idea, but I'm not, you know, if I want to go up to her in a timeout and say, Hey, uh, I think we got it. We got a mismatch here. Let's, let's really go after this player. Um, or this person's got two fouls. Let's really go at them. Uh, she's, she's all for that. Please. Can you share, uh, if you will, or if you want one, um, one blunder that you you've committed, you know, like I remember when coach was my assistant, you know, it, it, I didn't find it out until about 10 years later, you know, one of the things that happened, she's, we never told you this, but you know, <laughs> you don't have don't to do it, don't do it, <laughs> wait, you're saying, wait, say that again. Something that what? Something that maybe you made a mistake on. You know, oh, that, oh, oh my that, God. That, I got one. I got like, one. Sometimes you're late for the bus or, or like, I got one. The, you know, we had to wash the white uniforms and they came out pink. So I'll give you two actually really quickly. These two. So already on the first two trips, um, you know, we watch film on our first two away trips. The projector has not worked and that's, oh. my, that's my job. So every time twice this has happened twice in a row so i was like this new projector that we're gonna have to buy is gonna come out of my paycheck so <laughs> so that's a quick one but uh she hasn't been too mad at me she's been really patient with me i'll i'll give her that um but i remember my i think it was a, i was a freshman um we were playing at hartford and i think we were having just a terrible shoot around um you know morning of the game and just the vibes weren't good we were kind of just you know she was really getting on us and challenging us and i I don't know if we were just taking them lightly, you know, one of those kind of shoot around days. And I remember she was explaining something and, you know, I had the ball in my hand and we were getting ready to start the next possession, but she was in the middle of me and the person I was trying to throw the ball to, and she was facing the other way. So she was trying to explain something. And as she like finished talking, you know, I just assumed we were going on. I just tossed the ball. I tossed the ball. And as I'm tossing it, I realized that she's still talking turns around so I'm trying to grab the ball out of the air like oh, 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 when you, just, you throw the ball but you realize like, like she was in the way hits her right in the head hits her right in the oh. head and I was like oh and I'm a freshman so and she was livid already she was already and I just I, I'm sure she would remember if we go back but I remember the whole team just went dead silent and I was just like oh shit I'm in trouble <laughs> so I just remember that that moment specifically. And I know my class especially will remember that. And after shoot around, it was like, you really hit her at the worst possible time. Like, Oh, that's crazy. And uh, so, yeah, I, I remember that one. That That's that's a memory from freshman year. And I, wow. I don't know how much I played that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, if I know anything about coach, if she thought she could help win the game, she'd forget about the headache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Well, all right, you're the assistant now. Where do you see yourself in five years? You know, what's your, what's your coaching? What's your goal? Um, honestly, you know, I feel like I just try to, you know, be present where I'm at. So last year I was student teaching for the first half of the year and I was kind of the GA was, I would go to basketball when I could, but my priority at that time was being in the classroom with those kids, those eighth graders. And I didn't want to be thinking about going to practice later that day when I had, you know, 30 kids in front of me that needed my undivided attention. So I think my biggest thing is just trying to be present where I'm at 
as opposed to thinking about, oh, what's next or what's later, or, you know, what's down the line. Like, you know, e even if I knew in the back of my head, I might not have gone into teaching right away. I still wanted to make sure I was doing the best job I possibly could. So that's kind of what I tried to pride myself in last year. And obviously now this year as the assistant, what can I do to make coaches job easier and how much can I learn? I got to be the player that the, the coach that's going to come in now and, you know, on the off day, work these kids out, right? Like, and be on the court with them, be on the floor, use the fact that I'm still young and able to move up and down to, to really challenge them and, you know, play one-on-one -on -one with them and play, be a live defender. So stuff like that. And just trying to obviously bring as much knowledge as I can, but also just learn and ask as many questions as I possibly can. So obviously I, at this point I'm loving coaching. So I would hope that I'm still in, you know, the coaching field somewhere, the coaching world. Um, and I love Quinnipiac and I've been here for a while now, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know five years from now, but I'm again, taking it day by day and uh, just loving every moment of it, the process and just learning so much every single day. Oh, I think you'd probably like jewelry. You want like a six ring, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, you're right. That would be nice. That would be nice coach to get. I, I need one as a coach for sure. Yeah, No and doubt. Actually, you got to start working on the other hand, you know, yeah. you'll be like, a, you know, a LeBron. Coming I know. Out. I know. <laughs> um, I always ask this question and I'll ask this and then uh, Uncle Smooth, uh, What's on your playlist? What are you listening nice. to right now? Right now, I'm I'm pretty diverse in terms of what I'm listening to. Um, I kind of go back to the old songs these days. Like, I have playlists from when you know I was like a, in college. Like, you know, playlists in terms of like hip hop, rap, and then country in the summer. Um, but I kind of lately have been really into old older music. So like Mac Miller was like one of my favorite rappers. He he unfortunately passed away. Like. Uh, two years ago now but uh he was like growing up my favorite rapper of all time nice. was uh was mac miller i'll do a little alternative i loved the all-american rejects growing up like a little bit of a little bit of that i love uh i can do a little luke bryan some country so I'm, I'm down for pretty much everything depending on you know what season it is when it's when it's the summer it's, it's always country but uh if i'm trying to get hyped for a game it's going to be it's going to be a little bit more upbeat fast-paced and uh but uh, but i'm pretty open to everything these days I'm more of a podcast listener now, though. Honestly, I don't, I don't listen to that much music anymore. I'll have a podcast on when I'm working out or driving as opposed to music. That's, that's been the biggest change since I've stopped playing is it's all podcasts. And uh, probably one question I do want to ask, how has the pandemic affected you all? I mean, I, I know I just from the bench, mm -hmm. you can see there's a little difference there and, yeah. you know, um, Quickly, like, how's that, how's that changed? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're pretty adjusted now, which is good. I think we're in our routines. We know we get tested, you know, X day, Y days. Like, we, it's, it's been pretty routine. I think early on, it was just tough not knowing if we were going to play or not, right? So the first few, the first month or so of practice was just like small groups of four people and you couldn't do any contact and you couldn't, you didn't know when the whole team was going to be out there. And then trying to get kids home for Christmas, like, you just, it was just so uncertain of what was going to happen. And at any time, you know, somebody could test positive and now you're shut down. So it's just really the uncertainty, but I think we're at the point now where we, we have a good routine and we're kind of going with the flow and taking it day by day and making, that's why we got to make the most at every practice though, right? It could be, it could be the last practice before you get shut down and then you're done, you're done for two weeks and you have to play, you know, you only get five practices before that next game. So that's been, uh, that's been the biggest thing is trying to just get into a routine. And I think we have, uh, we have settled in. Uh, I mean, when you go down the max standings, you see like 
you know, yeah. some programs like hadn't played a Mac game and some have played 12, you yep. know, so the, you know, the, the discrepancy yes. is wide. It is, it is very interesting to see, you know, obviously the top, like I think Ryder, Ryder had just played, I think they're 12th, right? And then, yeah, Mammoth just opened up right this weekend. So it is, it, it is crazy. And again, though, we're just so grateful we're playing like, you know, regardless, just yeah. to be playing basketball and obviously like our, for our players, to have to miss a season would have just been, you know, devastating again, oh. obviously going off of last year. So at the end of the day, as many games as we could possibly get in, we're going to try and play. So. No question. Well, Uncle Smoothie, you want to ask Jen a final question? No doubt. Well, check it out, Jen. I like to go back. Let's get into this real quick. We're going to go rapid fire. Favorite Mac arena to perform in. Well, you had great games. You say, listen, when I walk in here, I'm ready to get busy. I'm going to say Manhattan because I, uh, Ooh, that's where I had Manhattan oh. and Marist, if I had two. Manhattan and Marist. I love, I like Marist, Jim. Okay. <laughs> All right. Least favorite when you go and you say, oh, I can't stand the atmosphere in here. These rims aren't friendly to me. I'm going to have a tough one, possibly. Canisius. Canisius. Mm. I can it, it, not, not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> I can empathize with that. Toughest Mac opponent. This particular young lady like, man, I got to make sure I get a good, nice rest, read this scout a couple of times, because if I don't come ready, I might get embarrassed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think it has to be Stella, right? It had to be it had to be Stella just based on the numbers. And she just never gets tired, never gets tired. So I, I would go with Stella. Two of my favorites. Here's another good one. I talked about your class. I came in with a very good class in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. We always joke with one another. One-on-one, -on -one, who prevails out of their group? I know I said Aaron earlier. I made a mistake. I may have pronounced the name incorrectly, but you knew who I was talking about. I thought you two were probably the most talented, but that group was tough. You know, there was that a young lady who played tough. in the trenches. I can't remember her name. Paula, she was tough Paula. as nails. Yep, Paula. Yes. One-on-one, -on -one, round robin, <laughs> Who comes out of that one alive? Uh, I, I'm gonna give it to Aaron. I'm gonna give it to Aaron. We we had our one-on-one -on -one battles after practice all the time. That was what I loved about our team. We were always after practice one-on-one-on-one. -on -one -on -one. You get one shot. There's no rebounds. Yes. You get, about, you get a certain amount of dribbles, and uh, we we battled. But uh, I'm gonna go Aaron just because of her length and her defensive ability. But uh, it would it would definitely be close. It would definitely be close. I like it. And I'm gonna close out with this one. Going to the tournament, obviously, we talked to Coach Fabry early in the year. Most teams in the MAC, they look forward to getting to the tournament. Mm -hmm. You all are looking to get to the tournament and win games. Yeah. What does it feel like to win a game in the NCAA tournament and see your name come up as going to the next round? It's it's ecstatic. Like that's the feeling I'd say. It's there's nothing like it and you're so excited for it and you know it's coming but you don't know when so you're all sitting there and you're you're hoping it's your your name coming next um and but again being right there with your team and your fans and your coaches and everyone that's supporting the program from obviously coach died from the from the radio everybody there and uh it's again all for one common goal and you know you're achieving that goal and you're you're watching it come to life on national tv nothing like it how much better is that mill money you win some games in the tournament. <laughs> oh, oh the, the gear is on the gear is unreal, Chris. The gear is unreal. Oh, I love it. Good job, fan. As I said in the beginning, 
in my opinion, one of my favorites, obviously, a professional score. And when I say that, I mean that in all areas. And you know, my last one, this is my last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved your focus before games. Again, I'm a type of guy, I watch everything before games. Mm-hmm. I would always like the way you came in the gym. Like you said, you wanted to be the first one on the court. You always were a dratty, but you were so focused. I would try to get your attention. You know, I like to play around. I was like, all right, enough already smooth. You even <laughs> did it to me this season as a coach. You know, I want to talk a little bit. Yeah, yeah, smooth. <laughs> Leave me alone. I got things to do. Where does that focus come from? Uh, I mean, when I when I'm going into the game, like I just I gotta get my I gotta get my shots up. I gotta get feeling good before, and I gotta get loose. For me, it was really about keeping my body loose. When I sat on the bench for 20 minutes and then had to go in, it was rough. So for me, I I gotta get a sweat before I'm going to play into going to play because that's just how you know if I'm not sweating before the game starts and something's not right. So I, that that was really where the focus came from was just knowing I had to get my workout before the game, pretty much. And this year, hey, I'm, love it, I'm gonna be better. Next time I see you, we'll have a full on. We're good. <laughs> Listen, don't you mind me. And you know what? You made a great point. And I hope a number of coaches and players are listening because this is something I brought up in our last broadcast. How can you come out after halftime so late and you don't have a sweat going and you expect to play well? Yep. So many teams in the second half have been coming out without a lather, and then right. the second half start off so slow. So, right. Jim, what you said was so clear. Put that out there. Teams and coaches, if you're listening, make sure you get a sweat before you start. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. You need that. <laughs> I Good stuff, it. Jen. Keep up the great work. Hey, this was so much fun. Thanks, guys. Thank, uh, Jen, thanks a lot. You know, uh, good luck. You know, I, I know uh, you've been on summer uh, Zooms, you know, mm-hmm. cra- getting crafty with your uh, – profession and uh good luck because it you know you need to impart your wisdom to a lot of young ladies so you know, keep, keep you guys up. on my podcast next i'm having you guys on next well check this out now jen you just mentioned your podcast yeah. let us know what's going on oh you have a podcast i do so i actually uh this past summer you know quarantine i was home for a while not sure what was going to happen i uh I was like, I want to hear more about perspectives of other players that whether I played against them or they're my teammates. So I started, uh, it's called the Backyard Buckets Podcast because this summer I spent the entire summer pretty much, I have a YouTube channel too. Uh, Coach, I think you might know a little bit about it, but just doing a bunch of tutorials and, you know, drills and stuff. And it all started in my backyard. So that's where the, the name came from. I was doing them right outside of my backyard. Uh, so the Backyard Buckets podcast, I've had some pretty some pretty good guests. So I've had Stella Johnson on there. I've had Alana Gilmer. Stella! Um, yeah, so I've had Evan Conti, a former uh, Quinnipiac alum, and nice. you know, some pretty – Adelie Marchucci, we talked Sweet 16. So Ooh. it's been a lot of former players on there, and it's just cool hearing their perspective. And, you know, especially people I played against. So yes, keep indeed. Keeping that connection. Well, well, listen, so- make sure you put Coach and I on the list. We definitely want to be in. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And we'll promote yours, uh, you know, <laughs> absolutely. You I love this. For the love of the game. For the no, love of the game. Love it. All right, well, thanks, guys. Good stuff. Back in the building.